as a high earner, how do you build a multi-million dollar portfolio in three to five years and make work optional? That's what we're talking about today. We're going to get into our scale framework that we use to build a $10 million portfolio in five years and retire from our high paid jobs. Yes. Hey there, we're here to put you on the path to a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio. I'm Palak. And this is Nidhi. Thanks for joining us. Great to have you here. We're really going to talk about three, we're going to cover three topics today, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, One is uh, the BRRRR strategy, which is essentially the strategy that we use to scale our portfolio. Uh, We're going to get into what it is and what it stands for, how it works. Second, we're going to talk about um, as we started implementing BRRRR, there's a few things that we noticed that we want to do very, very differently um, than what we saw other investors doing at the time, right? And so uh, we um, came up with this, framework called the scale framework, which is what we're going to talk about today, what it does, what it stands for, what it does, um, and how you can use it to scale um, your assets really fast. And we developed this framework with a lot of trial and error, a lot of iterations, running into a lot of problems. And we're going to go over it with you today. So you don't have to do all of the things that we had to do to get there. You don't have to make the same mistakes that we had to make to be able to develop this framework. I want to start with lifestyle. And I feel like that's something that's not talked about enough in the real estate investing world. We're here to build generational wealth, to build passive income, but also what we want is time and location freedom. So if you think about high earners, right? We were both high earning professionals. We had both worked for 15, 17 years in our industries. And when we started investing in real estate, we didn't do it just to make an income, right? We did it because we wanted an income, but we didn't want that income to take away our entire lives. And something that we learned after working for 15, 17 years in corporate was that the higher up we climbed, the less time we had. And it's super counterintuitive because everyone talks about, yeah, yeah, you know what? When I get the next promotion, I'm going to be all set. I'm going to be all good. You don't realize that the higher up you go, the less time you're going to have. And you're not going to have freedom. You're yeah. actually going to have less time and less freedom. Yeah. And the the other misconception that we had was that after working for a few years, financially, we'd be set, right? Like we wouldn't have to worry about wealth. Uh, we're all taught this growing up is that if you focus on getting um, an education, if you focus on getting like a nice job, uh, wealth will take care of itself. But that's not true. Income it does help with income, yeah. but wealth is a completely different thing. And, uh, you know, I talked to so many, when I was in corporate, I talked to so many people who were 10, 15 years ahead of me in corporate, and they were nowhere close to being financially free. And I was like, wait, I cannot keep going down this path. Uh, you know, as, as Warren Buffett says, sometimes it's not about, um, you know, how hard you're rowing the boat. Sometimes about what boat you're in, and that. and I realized that in corporate I was doing I was trying to row really hard, um, but I just wasn't in the right boat. And when we started investing in real estate, it took us what five years or well, three years for for us to be financially free. It's been five six plus, six plus years, um, and it's a lot faster. So, it's a lot faster. Um, and, and also, you know, we we always think that. 401k and savings, that's going to be enough for retirement. And if you think about it, you know, we've, in our age group, we've all seen different cycles and we've seen people's retirement accounts wiped out. Yeah. 
And I love real estate investing because at the end of the day, you have a tangible asset, right? And which is not true when it comes to your 401k. It could just overnight disappear. Yeah. And so keeping those three things in mind, generational wealth, passive income, and time and location freedom, we set out to build our own strategy and framework. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Yes. First, let's talk about the BRRRR strategy uh, and what it stands for, which is what we implemented. Uh, and we uh, will talk a little bit about how we did the scale framework that sits on top of the BRRRR framework to really supercharge it. Uh, but the BRRRR st- uh, strategy is an acronym. So BRRRR stands for you buy a distressed property, you rehab it, you rent it out, and then you refinance it, pull your cash out, and then repeat the process all over again. Uh, what the BRRRR strategy allows you to do is um, is three things really right? One is um, really removes a capital constraint, uh, so you can um, because you're forcing the appreciation in a short period of time, uh, and you're refinancing it put to pull your cash out. You can use that same cash to do the next deal and the next mm-hmm. deal, right? So it removes a capital constraint. Number two, um, you can buy properties for a lot cheaper this way, right? Because what we properties that need a lot of work in terms of rehab, you can buy it for a lot cheaper as well. So you can buy it for cents in the dollar. Um, and then third is you can really force the appreciation using the burst strategy, right? Which is what we love. It's like, instead of waiting for 10, 15 years for the property to appreciate, we can do it in three to six months. Uh, and that's, again, another power of the burst strategy. So we really like the burst strategy when we first got into it. And we knew that that's what we wanted to do. So a couple of things I want to cover about Burr. Number one is we really wanted to find a strategy that had been implemented for a long period of time. We didn't want to get involved in something shiny new that people had just been doing for the last two, three, four years. This strategy has been uh, done for decades. And we love that because we know that this strategy has stood the test of time. Yes. Right. It's not like a shiny new object that everyone's making a lot of money on, but short term, it's something that has been implemented for a long period of time. So we love that about um, about the birth strategy. We also love that this was all about long term buy and hold investing. And we really didn't want to get involved in real estate from a transactional perspective. If you think about a flip, right, if you think about a flip, someone can continue making money on flips only until they're willing to work and flip properties. If you're not willing to do that, you're going to stop making money. We wanted to be involved in real estate, not from a transactional perspective. We wanted to be involved in real estate from a long-term buy and hold perspective because that's how wealth is made. Yes, absolutely. And, um, you know, Burr strategy, you know, you combine the power of buying and holding on to properties for a long time with the fact that you can, instead of buying one or two properties a year, you can now buy five, 10, 15 properties a year, right? And so combine those two, and that's what um, gives you the amazing, um, you know, supercharges essentially your um, your growth when it comes to real estate. And so, you know, we knew pretty early on that we wanted to do the Burr strategy, right? Uh, but the Burr strategy had some challenges. When we first came in, we saw a lot of other investors doing the Burr strategy, um, and it was really not the way we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, give you a few examples. Uh, we saw a lot of investors that are, you know, spending six, eight hours 
of their day at the job site while the rehab is going on. So they were there present physically, either doing a lot of the work, so DIYing essentially a lot of the construction, um, or just being there, you know, making runs to Home Depot at six in the morning and, you know, different things that that um, made them really, really focused on that one uh, project, but really taking their time away from being able to scale. And when we first started investing, uh, so you still had your full-time job, I had quit my job, and we decided that this was the strategy that we were going to execute, except I had a toddler and a two-month-old. And the reason I was doing this was to have the time with the kids, to have that time and location freedom, not just generational wealth and passive income. And so when I started seeing how other people were executing this strategy, it just didn't fit my why. Why was I even doing it, right? So because we were so clear on why we were doing it, we had to find a way to execute it differently. They say, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. So we had to just find a way to do it differently. Uh, One of my peers, he talked about his day um, you know when we were starting out they were also starting out and he said oh yeah I, I you know I start my day at Home Depot first I buy all the material needed for the day so I don't have to make multiple Home Depot runs and the best place to find really good subs is at Home Depot early in the morning and he's like then I pick them up I you know bring them to the job site I set everybody up and then I'm going uh, about my day and I'm thinking, okay, I have a two-year-old and a (laughs) two-month-old. I want to have breakfast with them. How am I going to do all this? This is not going to work for me. And so we had to find different ways of executing every single step of PUR. Yeah. And, you know, this is the biggest example because it's so physical and it's easier to explain why that didn't work. But every single step has its challenges the way other people do it, right? That didn't work for us. Exactly. And another example is, um, you know, people um, say that they're taking late night tenant phone calls, uh, you know, while they're managing the property, if they're managing the property themselves. And, you know, they really, uh, a lot of investors that we saw earlier on when we started investing was they were uh, trying to be mom and pop investors, mm-hmm. right? They had a property here, a property there. Uh, they didn't have a defined strategy. They're buying, you know, different properties in different neighborhoods, like without really having a good rationale. Um, they were taking like tenant phone calls in the middle of the night. And we were very clear from the beginning that that's not what we wanted to be. Yeah. We wanted to run it like a business. And so um, that was a, a big thing. And actually, you know, it's a good time to talk about because we had corporate experience, a lot of people are like, uh, yeah, but I come from corporate and I don't know, I know nothing about real estate. Well, guess what? There are certain skills. If you have some job experience, you can, that translates really well and you can apply some of those skill sets into um, real estate as well, right? I think that is such a great point because my background was in systems and processes. You also did systems and yeah. processes for your work. Um, I had experience putting uh factories together, right? I was a part of building a factory from scratch overseas and I saw how everything was communicated while we were sitting here in America, building a plant overseas, how the team could be well-managed, how systems and processes could be put in place to be able to do that. You had been a part of the strategy in a huge corporation. So you had seen how important it was to you know, take those skills and implement them within real estate investing. So absolutely, if you're in corporate, 
all of those skills, or at least some of them, can definitely be translated into real estate investing. Yes, systems and process and teams. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But another one more thing that we saw actually um, with the way people were investing in Burr uh, that we didn't want to do, right? So um, that we actually this is a mistake actually that we made when we bought our first Burr property, where we actually used our personal line of credit, a personal credit card to um for the down payment of the house right and we we thought oh this is you know it's a great way to buy a house we just use you know you just put it on credit but then we didn't realize at the time that that actually if you use uh your personal credit to buy a property that goes uh on your credit report and it impacts it negatively it impacts your debt to income negatively it makes you harder to get a loan in the future absolutely <laughs> and and we had to learn that the hard way so don't do that yes. if you're listening to this yeah uh, we, Bank of America uh, gave me a line of credit because I'd maintain a good credit score, right? Gave me a line of credit. It was um, 0% APR for 18 months and 4% upfront. And I thought it was brilliant. And <laughs> we used it to buy a property, except it was a problem when we tried to refi it. Yes. So, you know, so all these things that we talked about is what we saw investors do. And what all of these mistakes that we talked about, they actually stop you from scaling fast. Uh, it sucks up all your time because now you're spending all your time at the job site or managing the projects um, or, or managing running your around tenants. or managing your tenants. Or sucks up all your cash. <laughs> yes. And, and that too. Exactly. Because people, uh, you know, use up all their cash in, in one or two properties. And so this is exactly why we uh, came up with the scale framework, which we're going to talk about now. So the scale framework is to is a very specific blueprint of how to implement Burr. That's what we've done that allows it to scale fast, allowed us to um, build cash flow pretty fast, and also use the least amount of our time. Doing I it. still remember the day when Nidhi came up to me and he said, I found this amazing real estate investing strategy. That's the one we should do. And he, you know, he does strategy for our business. I'm operations, he's strategy. That's how we started because I was full-time. And so he came up with this and he said, we're going to do this. It wasn't until we were on our third or fourth deal that we had this framework, the scale framework that we're going to talk about today, nailed down. Because we were still learning, right? We yeah. were trying to execute it the way everybody else was executing it. And every step of the way, we realized what worked and what didn't work for us. And then we tried multiple things until we built a framework that constantly works again and again. Yes. And we've built a $10 million portfolio, starting with a finite amount of capital using this framework. And we've helped hundreds of people who've yes. implemented this framework and built their multi-million dollars in real estate. All over the US. All over America, yes. <laughs> so let's talk about the SCALE framework. So the SCALE is an acronym, right? Uh, S stands for Scalable Acquisitions and Deal Analysis. Uh, so this is important because when we first started investing, uh, we were looking at every single deal that was on the uh, on the market uh, and spending equal amount of time and really getting frustrated with not being able to find a deal, right? And that's because we didn't have uh, an ideal property avatar and, you know, having really identified what our investment criteria is. So that is super, super important. Um, so having to be able to scale and buy more properties, you need to really narrow it down where once you identify what kind of property you're buying in which neighborhood, that eliminates majority of the other deals that don't even apply to what you're doing. That's what you want. You want to be able to say, 
no to 90% yes. of the deals that cross your desk. And you want to be able to say that very quickly and confidently. That's what you want, right? That's going to eliminate 90% of the work, which we were doing in the beginning. Absolutely. And really mastering deal analysis, right? Because that's what, as I say, like, uh, if you if you find a good deal, uh, if you spend a lot an hour analyzing properties and you find find a good deal you know you just made tens of thousands of dollars right Absolutely. so that one hour is, is worth so much and a lot of investors that are new that actually come to us have failed at bar before and they yes. failed at bar because they go into it not knowing what the outcome is going to be because they don't know how to accurately analyze deals yes. and then they come in and they they're like, oh, wait, this is how you analyze a deal. Now I know whether this is going to work or not, right? So predictable deal analysis is a huge part of it. Also want to add building your deal machine. Yes. And whenever people talk about building a deal pipeline and deal machine, they don't talk about it from the perspective that we're going to talk about. When they're saying that, they're talking about wholesaling, sending mailers out, door knocking, driving for dollars. We wanted to do none of that because... I did not want to build a wholesaling business. I wanted to build a real estate portfolio, right? Yes. So we didn't do any of that. You build a deal machine by building a good team that can bring you deals on a consistent basis and by having a clearly defined property avatar that we talked about. Absolutely. So that's the S in scale, which is a scalable acquisition and deal analysis. C in scale stands for uh, construction without the DIY, right? And this we talked about a little bit. Um, you know, a, a lot of investors we see, they're trying to DIY their projects. They're trying to save like a few hundred dollars here by putting on the tiles themselves um, or, you know, going and buying all the material themselves, being in the job site every day. Uh, you don't need to do that. That'll actually slow you down from scaling your portfolio. Um, because and so, you can only be on one project at yes. any given point in time. What we want is we, we wanted to be at four, five, six deals all at the same time. And that's what we teach people to do is you, you can't be everywhere at once. So figure out how you can outsource it well. So finding and vetting contractors really well. Yep. Managing projects well so you can be under budget and under schedule. Yes, exactly. And doing it predictably every single time. That's right. And you should be able to do it remotely. So a lot of investors that we work with, they're investing all of the U.S. remotely. And that's that's what you want because that's what truly gives you the location freedom, right? right? We can be anywhere in the world and buy uh, a property um, because we have the systems and processes and teams in place to be able to do that. Uh, next in the scale framework is adding cash flow, right? Uh, and this is again about uh, the systems and processing teams that you put in place so that you never have to take a tenant phone call yourself, right? You have, you treat your tenants well and there's, you know, all their issues are taken care of and your properties are being managed well, but not by you right. <laughs> directly. <laughs> yeah, a lot of um, new investors are worried about this one thing when it comes to becoming a landlord, which is those late night tenant phone calls. Especially, I often hear people say, I don't want to hear about the toilets being clogged. And sure, you have to just learn how to put the right systems, processes, and teams in place so your business can run without you. Absolutely. Next in our scale framework is L, which is leverage and commercial financing. Uh, and if I were to say that this is the 
probably the most important piece of burr and the most and the least understood piece of burr mm-hmm. um i think that would be um i wouldn't be far off right so that's that's really critical is um let's talk about leverage first before we talk about the kind of financing leverage is a it, we had to really work on our mindset when it comes to leverage when we started investing right we were look we grew up in india we were very we were taught to be very conservative with money and very uh, responsible very responsible very you know not using credit always paying with cash um always having you know everything we did was with cash and uh we realized when we started investing um that the only way to really scale is to get the good kind of debt not the bad kind of debt on right. your credit cards but the good kind of debt where you use debt to buy assets and the the rent from those assets pays for the debt and that took us uh, quite a bit to understand as to really the power of leverage i feel like you made that shift way before me and <laughs> you had to pull me across the other side you had to be like yes this is how good businesses work they all borrow money and grow their businesses that's that way that's what we're going to do yeah and and you know and, and it's it's a big mindset shift for people to make right so that's one and then uh the commercial financing piece right because that's really very few people understand commercial financing and without understanding commercial financing it's very hard to scale your portfolio and uh i come from a finance background it took me a while to understand commercial <laughs> financing right and um it's really knowing what kind of lenders there's so many lenders out there even with the high interest rates that we see today people are always like hey can i do borrow in a high interest rate environment absolutely you yes. can um and uh but you know, it's kind of knowing what lenders you can work with, mm-hmm. uh, right? It's understanding what terms they're offering you, which lender to use when, not only for the thirty-year, um, you know, long-term mortgage, but even for the upfront mortgage for the purchase and the rehab of the property, right? How to use the least amount of your own cash and being able to leverage that through commercial financing, Absolutely. and all of this buying through an LLC always always buy a property in an LLC, never buy it in your personal name if it's an investment property. Um, so, you know, these are things that um, uh, that, that are important to understand is um, is the commercial financing and um, how to use it, use it really well to scale your portfolio. And if there was one thing that was the most important when it comes to scaling your portfolio, it is leveraging and commercial yes. financing out of this entire Absolutely. framework that is key. And we we couldn't stress this enough. Absolutely. And then finally, E in scale stands for exponential growth, right? And again, it goes back to treating this like a business, right? When we first started, we didn't. When we first started investing, we didn't really want to um, be a mom and pop investor. We didn't want to be at the job site every day, like six hours a day. Um, and so we built. And let me just clarify: when we say we didn't want to DIY, we didn't want to be at the job site. It was not because we didn't want to work hard. It's yes. because we wanted to build a scalable business. That's yes. what we'd seen in corporate as we climbed up the ladder. We were able to, you know, look under the hood of the businesses that we worked for, and we knew that DIYing things wasn't going to get us to a large portfolio. Absolutely, absolutely, and. Um, you know, really running it like a business, running it like a CEO would, right? And mm-hmm. this is where some of our 
uh, corporate experience, we were able to build those systems and processes mm-hmm. and teams that was needed to be able to uh, build and scale the portfolio. Absolutely. And while we focused on things that really move the needle in the business, right, which is doing the deal analysis, looking for the right deal to buy, um, you know, uh, building those systems and processes and keep constantly tweaking them to make sure we increase our profitability, we treat our tenants well, we keep our properties well, right? So just having that entire set of infrastructure in place. I feel like if you are a high earner, you've done a little bit of work in corporate, you're going to look at real estate investing very differently than everybody else does. And, you know, most people who are talking about real estate investing, if you're already consuming content about real estate investing, you're going to read books, podcasts, you know, YouTube videos, um, social media, you'll see that a lot of people who are talking about it came into real estate investing. One, they were young, right? They came into it with no money or very little money. And a lot of time on their hands. And a lot of time. And so what this framework does is it narrows the bar strategy down to a real estate investor who comes into real estate investing with some money, not hundreds of thousands of dollars, some money, and comes into real estate investing with the perspective that they don't want to spend all their time and create another nine to five for themselves. So that is what makes this scale framework so powerful for a very specific subset of real estate investors. Absolutely. Spot on. We have an amazing five-day challenge going on right now. Um, You can go sign up at theinvestoraccelerator.com. You can build your retirement plan and reverse engineer it back to being able to take tangible steps today. So that's what we've designed it for so that anyone can come in, they can kind of visualize where they want to be and then reverse engineer it back with numbers to where they are today and how to build a step-by-step path forward. Great. All right. So we'll see you guys next time. And until then, Keep investing. See you guys. Don't forget, when you're ready to get serious, you can join us at theinvestoraccelerator.com. It's like getting a thousand episodes worth of information in five days, and it's everything you need to build your actionable plan to financial freedom and making work optional. 